0: The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Campbell's tomato soup, possibilities. Mm-mm, good dunk grilled cheese, taco chips, however you please. Wholesome oh, lunch, just your style. Tomato soup, so versatile, possibilities.
1: This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you so much for sticking with us this fine hour uh, on Wednesday. We have with us Doug Conant, the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company. He turned the company around by... Many other successes by transforming the global leadership team. In fact, three years into his corporate culture building program, the Campbell Promise, Campbell Valuing People, and People Valuing Campbell, the company was back on track. It went on to deliver double digit increases for the next five years. And I would be remiss if I left out that Doug Conan is also a New York Times Wall Street Journal best selling artist of the book Touch Points, a leadership guide to empowering people by leading in every interaction. Welcome, Doug. Well said, Chrissy. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And did you like the jingle?
0: I love the jingle. It, you know, you made my day, uh, especially <laughs> when it's 100 degrees here in Philadelphia. It uh, is so just, hot. <laughs> just thinking about potato, hot potato soup, it's right up my alley.
1: That is funny. That is so funny. Well, you know, we had Dave Stangus on the on this show. Uh, boy, I can't. Probably about ten months, eight months ago, and um, we were talking about our favorite soups. And I mentioned that mine is tomato and rice. And I think his his is actually tomato and rice as well, which is is good. So you're, you're um, kidding? That's mine. That is yours. I love it. I grew up with it. I love it. I, I grew love up. It. My <laughs>
0: mother was from the south, and most of my friends would have tomato soup. I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> but we had rice and everything if you were from, uh, Mississippi, where, where my mother had been raised originally. Sure. And, uh, we had rice and everything and I would always have tomato rice soup. It, it's been my favorite, uh, for going on 61 years now. So.
1: Well, good. Well, we're all in good company here. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to to um, to talk to you and to have our listeners hear your story because it is quite quite a remarkable one. Um, you have been, as I mentioned in the intro, the CEO of Campbell Soup for a decade, and as I understand, you're about you're the 11th leader there. And the company is, uh, I think, probably about 140 years old now. Is that That's probably right. about up? Yeah. yeah. Um, tell, us about, tell us about the first day on the job when you took this company. Uh, you took the reins of this company. Uh, Campbell Soup was definitely in need of a major overhaul. What was going through your head and how did you just sit down and prioritize and figure out how to start changing things around?
0: Well, I, I'm going to actually go back a little bit before uh, the first day. Uh, sure. I find myself being very reflective over the last few days. I just wrote a piece on Stephen Covey, who was a good friend of mine and recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his uh, most powerful notions that he put forward in, with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was this idea of begin with the end in mind. And so as I was contemplating taking the job with Campbell Soup Company, I spent a long weekend with some friends of mine uh, tearing the company apart with basically all the public data that was available and developing a game plan that I would bring with me to my first day of work. So I had an idea of what I was going to try to do before I got there. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, about eighty percent of that game plan held up to scrutiny once I got into the company. But uh, I found it was very helpful. It's very helpful whenever you go face a daunting circumstance to have done your homework and and be prepared to move forward uh, before you walk in the room, and 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 not just try and do it by the seat of your pants once you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, I had a plan. I went in, and my first day was really about. Uh, making sure that the organization understood where I where I stood on things, and and what my philosophy was, and my philosophy, quite frankly, was about uh, driving employee engagement, which over time I became very well known for. But it started on the first day. I told our employees on the first day in that first meeting that you know, uh, it's been a difficult. Uh, five years for you, certainly the last of the three prior to the time I got there, and for many of them, the the two prior to that, Uh, and I, I understand that, and I want you to know that I believe that we can't ask you to value our agenda as a company until we tangibly demonstrate to each and every one of you that we value your life journey as an individual. In my experience, it doesn't work any other way. And within a few months, uh, uh, a uh, an employee group came forward and said, "You know, we'd like to make, we'd like to capture those words and call it the Campbell Promise. Campbell valuing people, people valuing Campbell. The notion being that the company knew it had an obligation to step forward with people before we could ever ask them to step forward for us. And it was it turned out to be a great start." Although I must say, there were a lot of doubting people in the room who were sure. thinking, oh, here comes another guy. We'll see if he walks the talk. So <laughs> right, the next right, test right. as a CEO or as a leader when you walk into a room is you damn well better be prepared to do what you say you're going to do. And you need to do it over and over again. And then you need to let people know uh, that you're still committed to that path. Mm-hmm. And it took us about three years to build that kind of into the fabric. Of, of the way we operated uh, as we were, time and again, tested.
1: Right. So you've, you've said that leadership is, and it isn't it really about you. Why is it so difficult for CEOs to grasp this seemingly simple notion? What's going on out there? Uh, hey, I, it's not just CEOs. It's everybody <laughs> you true. meet. I mean, and the people you
0: work with. Uh, you know, it's the human condition. We all have... Uh, especially in today's world, we, we have things, uh, we feel like we're trying to get a sip of water from a fire hydrant every day. And all this information and, and all the needs of all the people with whom we work is washing over us. We're overwhelmed, and we tend to view the world through our eyes. And it's no different for a CEO as for someone who's, you know, working on the loading dock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets hard when the pressure is on to uh to 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 set aside your own agenda given that given that it 's challenging and and to really be there for someone else it doesn 't make it right it just makes it you know what I would observe is is the human condition today mm-hmm. and and businesses today are under so much pressure with a weak economy and a challenging uh Uh, consumer and customer base, an activist-oriented society, that CEOs have their hands full, and they have trouble uh, setting aside their agenda in order to really be tuned into the agenda of the people with whom they work. Mm -hmm. That having been said, you know, uh, I know more CEOs, by far, more CEOs who are who are working that agenda in a constructive way with people than than CEOs who aren't. I mean, we're talking about, if I just think of the Fortune 500 base, they're probably, I'll make up the number, 20 who have been found fault with, maybe 50, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That leaves 450 to 480 who are under the microscope and doing a good job. Uh, you know, we tend to kind of gravitate to to the exceptions, not to the rule. Uh, right. So uh, it, it's it's I guess my observation is it's not easy, but in my experience, uh, more leaders are behaving in a way that is approaching an effort to seek first to understand, then to be understood, uh, than are not.
1: Well, that's, that's good to hear because I think that I had, I had the, you know, and have had the impression that, that people like you are more the exception to the rule. So it's good to see that you're, you know, to hear that you are uh, experiencing a real positive movement, so to speak.
0: Well, a lot of, I mean... do you ever go to ever go to a carnival at a county fair and see the game Whack-A-Mole?
1: <laughs> no, I haven't.
0: It's where the mole comes up out of You have a mallet in your hand. Oh, of and course. Yeah, 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 where you bang it down. Yeah, yeah. And, and as soon as the the mole comes up out of the hole, you bang him on the head. Oh, yes. That's the way a CEO feels if they ever start talking about what they're doing right. <laughs> uh you know, it just doesn't pay because then people look for the exception, not the rule. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, a lot of CEOs just keep their powder dry, and they just focus on trying to do the right thing. Right. And right. they don't, don't, don't get out there and 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 and, uh, uh, and 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 they're not particularly public with what they are doing. That is. is an effort to try and do the right thing for the people within their company.
1: Sure. That's my and, opinion. You know, and, and, and a lot of this, and I think there is this this conception that, okay, or at least a, a general notion that people feel, okay, you can come in and you can tell people that you're going to lead and you're going to care about them. But really what you have said is that this quote seemingly soft, emotional, touchy-feely stuff is actually the most hard to implement. And t- talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Well, I do have a belief that the soft stuff is the hard stuff. Most of the work we do that's analytical by nature, return on investment analysis and all these things, you can get in, you know, you're tracking your sales and your earnings, you can get the numbers and you can make decisions based on how how the data falls. Mm-hmm. My observation in in communities that are both for-profit and not-for-profit is that most of the big issues revolve around our issues of understanding and communication. They're not issues of return on investment analysis. And, And so what I have said to executives is I think we all need to acknowledge that the soft stuff is the hard stuff. The big issues we have every day seem to revolve around our issues of understanding, not issues of analysis. And uh, and so we challenged our uh, executives at Campbell to be uh, fluent and agile in dealing with the soft stuff as well as with the hard stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And ha- let's talk a little bit about the, the communication part and 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 how you did this at, at Campbell. I've read something that was really, to me, quite astonishing because it seems so simple yet so not simple. You you sent personal notes to employees, and I don't know how many you would send a day, but t- tell our listeners about well, this.
0: Well, my you know, I think you need to, you need to tell people how you're going to behave, and then you need to behave that way. And when I was telling people we need to value your individual uh, life journey, if we hoped you, that you would value ours, I implied that I was going to be paying attention <laughs> to mm. their life journey. And so uh, we developed a practice where we would be surveying all the things that were going right at Campbell uh, and wrong. But uh, most companies are really good at finding what's not working. They not, they're not particularly good at celebrating what is working. And so I would spend uh, some time every day, and I would try and get off 10 to 20 handwritten notes, Uh, uh, acknowledging employees anywhere around the world for something they had done right, helping bring up the startup production line quickly in uh, in Ohio or in Maxton, North Carolina, or having a successful sale in China or whatever it was. And I would do 10 to 20 notes a day telling people uh, – that a couple things one that i was paying attention mm. personally and all these were handwritten so there was no question that i was writing them it wasn't like an email going out
1: right
0: uh and uh and it was very specific they weren't intended to be gratuitous notes like have a nice day they were celebrating <laughs> right. contributions of real significance to our company yeah. and as i was getting ready to retire we started to add up all the notes i had sent and it turned out I had sent over 30,000 notes in my 10 years,
1: wow.
0: and we only have 20,000 employees. And, and what was happening over time was that these notes were being posted up in cubicles and on desks, and they were showing up literally all over the world. And not surprisingly, my staff and all the people that were working with those people saw, hey, the CEO's paying attention. Maybe I should be paying attention. And we created a culture where people were paying attention. We still called each other on the things we did wrong, but we tried to bring some balance to it and celebrate the things we did right. Right. Just a quick postscript to that story. Uh, Three years ago, uh, uh, July 2nd, I was involved in a near-fatal automobile accident and went through, been through four rounds of surgery in the last three years. uh, and while I was in the hospital, we started to get handwritten notes from all the employees. We ended up getting thousands of handwritten wow. notes from employees all over the world saying, you know, you, you were very thoughtful and sent me a note uh, six years ago, and I still have it up in my cubicle today. And I want you to know I appreciate it. I appreciate your leadership, and I wish you Godspeed as you try and uh, achieve a healthy recovery. Wow. And so my observation would be that what goes around comes around. That's not why I why I did it, but I'll tell you uh, all the support we received from the employees of Campbell Soup Company while I was trying to uh, battle through my accident. Uh, that was uh, that that helped myself, my wife, and my whole family uh, along the way.
1: Absolutely, that's very. Uh... It's very touching. And I'm I'm glad I you know I had heard I had heard that you were in this accident and I'm I'm just glad that everything is, you know, okay and that you're here with us. So
0: not
1: as glad um, as I am. <laughs> it's a, it's a big, big life life changing event. Yeah. Um so how did you actually as CEO, how did you keep your finger on the pulse of everything that was going on with people to send these specific notes?
0: Well we we had we had two things we had uh we have a we had a wonderful portal where we had uh, uh a company intranet and as we started celebrating things people started posting things
1: <laughs> That's uh, great. so
0: i uh it was sort of became uh, i had access to everything going on in the world every week and then uh, uh the other thing i did was i i did manage by walking around i really started that in earnest uh when the economy really started to stumble, and as I before I had my accident, but in 2008, uh, and I thought, you know, I need to be more visible now than ever. So I started putting on my sneakers and walking around the building whenever I had enough. You know, inevitably there'd be a free half hour in the day. I never mm-hmm. knew when it was going to be, but as soon as it, I had it, I put my sneakers on, I put my pedometer on, and I went walking all over the building. All over the complex, actually, and just mm-hmm. talk to people and uh, as I walked and I, if i didn't get it on the over the internet, I got it through those conversations, and uh, I was also able to personally connect with people and uh, and so th- that was the other way I did my reconnaissance.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is is huge. I mean, if if you're in a cubicle and you've been working in a cubicle for 15 years, and the CEO comes by and says hello, that's the impact of that. Well, is yeah, and I I, would,
0: I was known for distracting people and in interrupting <laughs> meetings. I'd walk in if they had a tasting in a in one of our labs. I'd just sort of show up with my sneakers on and say, "What's for lunch?"
1: Oh, and, that's cool. You know,
0: I would I would just I could show up anywhere and as long as I was respectful and was in and was out and didn't disrupt the meeting completely, uh, uh, it was uh, it was sort of a fun way to uh, be in touch.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For those of you who are just joining us, I'm speaking with Doug Conant, the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company. All right. So for higher ambition leaders, um, I've, we, I've read and we see that the common theme is that life and work should not be separate. And I think probably our listeners are gleaning this from our conversation thus far. What I would love to hear your thoughts about if there was a milestone in your life that triggered you to feel this way or whether uh, it just is innate. Give us a sense of, 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 the, of how you feel about the combination of life work.
0: Well, uh, it just, I didn't. I never had an epiphany in this regard, but it did kind of come to me as I went through my work life. When I started, I had this sense that I was supposed to keep work and personal life completely separate. But then I found that I was all I was. You know, by and large, in my situation, I was either work at work and doing work, or I was not at work and I was thinking about work. Uh And uh, I'd go to bed thinking about what I had to do the next day. I'd wake up thinking about what I was thinking about the night before. And I began to see over time that uh, I was leading one life, not two. One was enough. And uh, as I started to juggle a young and growing family and, and community commitments and work commitments, I developed a perspective that said if I'm going to walk effectively in this world, I need to acknowledge all these pieces of my life and, and, and try and adopt an integrated approach to dealing with it all. Yeah. And uh, so I started to focus on, 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 my, on my 360 degrees of my life. And as I did, I found it actually, uh, as I acknowledged that, I found that I actually connected more effectively with people in all walks of life at work and away from work Mm -hmm. because the people at work that I was working with were dealing with the same issues. So uh, I I never got uncomfortably personal with people, but I did share my, you know, gosh, I ran late today because I had to drop my daughter off at school or whatever, Mm -hmm. or I've got a, you know, I've got a commitment tonight. I've had, at the YMCA or whatever I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I found that uh, over time that for me to be effective in this life, I needed to acknowledge that I was dealing with one life and I was trying to live it in a thoughtful way. The more I did, the more effective I became.
1: Well, great. Great. That's great. So, as I mentioned before, uh, I've interviewed. I had Dave Stangus on the on the show, who's the the VP of CS, Corporate Social Responsibility at, at Campbell Soup, and Campbell is uh, doing quite a bit in this arena. And I would love to hear your thoughts about um, how sustainability, how you felt sustainability manifested itself um, and, and integrated itself with leading within higher ambition.
0: Well, you know, I have a philosophy that. Uh and, and we, called, we called it when I was there the Campbell success model. I think it's still embedded in what's going on at Campbell today. I don't know that that language is used today. But we, we said, you know, for us to be effective uh, over time in an enduring way, uh, we start with our employees and we want uh, what we call to win in the workplace and create a a workplace where people were highly engaged and felt valued. And then as we did that, we said with our skills, assets, and capabilities and highly engaged people, we should be able to win in the marketplace. And we tracked how we performed in the marketplace. But then as we worked with our employees, they said, what we'd really like to do is win in the marketplace, but also help our communities and society at large win as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, our employees who we were talking about valuing their agenda, their agenda included building a better world. So, uh, we migrated once we found our sea legs uh, in terms of getting our company back on track again to a a point of view that said we're going to focus on winning in the workplace, winning in the marketplace, and also helping to build a better world. And interestingly, the more we focused on building a better world, the more people got engaged in their work, and the better we did in the workplace, and the better we did in the marketplace. So we mm-hmm. had a, a kind of a flywheel, flywheel of uh, performance that was most encouraging. So uh, that was our, our inclination. We br- actually brought in Dave Stangus. I don't know, maybe four years ago now, uh, to help us bring that that philosophy of helping to build a better world to life through corporate social responsibility. And, uh, while I was the CEO there, we published our first ever, uh, corporate social responsibility report. We created a platform that was mission driven, consistent with our mission. And it was all about nourishing people's lives everywhere, every day. And, and we, we built a platform for actually bringing that to life. And the more work we did on that, uh, the more people got engaged in the work, it was an incredibly gratifying experience. It didn't take away from the work we had to do to win in the marketplace, it actually enhanced it. Okay. So uh, uh, I found it to be a natural evolution of our performance oriented culture that said, you know, winning in the marketplace is great, but we can do better. Right. And we can help build a better world, too. And that's what the people at Campbell Soup are endeavoring to do. It's been an incredibly gratifying uh, part of my journey over the last uh, five years, in particular.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, of course, didn't retire. You didn't. You you retired, but didn't. You're not sitting around doing nothing. You're actually a very busy man, and you have. Uh, written a book called Touch Points, and, and we'll talk about that in, in a second. I'd love for our listeners to learn more about it. And on your website, you have this terrific uh, video that is that really gives a, a, a great synopsis of what, what you're up to. And, and for, for those of you who are online right now on, on, on your computers, you can go to conantleadership.com and you can can see this. But um, on it, you say that your purpose is to build world-class organizations that defy the critics and thrive in the face of adversity. That's a, a very powerful statement. You also talk about how leadership is sacred ground. And I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit more about that, and then I'd love to hear about the book and, and, and more about what you're what you're doing right now.
0: Well, you know, uh, I'll try and do this in a concise way. I mean, we don't have 24 hours to cover all this, although I could fill up the time.
1: I know. I was going to say, we, you know, we have about the, five, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my observation is when you talk about building a better world, it doesn't stop when you leave your company. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, If you believe in it, uh, you do it every day, and I'm doing it every day now, and I'm trying to do it by helping organizations, largely not-for-profits now, but also some for-profit organizations, uh, uh, thrive in the face of the adversity they, they uh, are facing today and uh, establish leadership cultures that are uh, integrity-laden and high-performance. And it's been an absolutely joyful, but I must say, tiring journey. I am on the board of Avon Products here in New York, uh, and I'll probably do some more for-profit work. But I'm also deeply involved in uh, several nonprofits, nine actually, and I'm chairman of the Committee Encouraging Corporate Philanthropy in New York City, where we're really trying to promote uh Uh, more aggressive behavior on the part of the corporate world in, as we create social value as well as economic value. And, uh, all of that work is deeply fulfilling. I'm working on another book. I'm working, I, I do a fairly regular blog for the Harvard Business Review. And, uh, I'm also speaking whenever anyone will listen to me. I think it's important (laughs) to give back. You know, I've spent 35 years of my life in the corporate world. I've learned a lot. I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And, uh, and if I can share that in a way that's helpful to people, I do. That's what we did with Touchpoint. And just on, in terms of leadership is sacred ground, I think there's nothing more important than how you deal with the people with whom you live and work. And I call leadership sacred ground in the sense that I believe it's a craft. It's not just a responsibility. And if you really want to be good at it, I think you have to follow a mastery model that says, I'm going to work at it. I'm going to apprentice at it. I'm going to look at who's doing it well. I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to incorporate that into my life in a way that works for me. And I'm going to continually get better at this craft uh, because I'm affecting the lives of the people with whom I work and play. And, uh, And there's nothing more important. So I challenge people to think of leadership as a craft, not just as a responsibility. When we wrote the book Touchpoints, my co-author Meta Norgard and I uh, wanted to bring the leadership notion to life in an approachable way. And our observation was that leadership has been viewed as this lofty thing that President Obama may do, but what not me. And uh, and and we boiled the leadership notion down to fundamentally, it's how you show up in every interaction. And are you paying attention? Are you trying to be helpful to someone? And are you helping to move the agenda forward? If you are, you're a leader. And, uh, and so we created the book Touch Points, which was all about creating powerful leadership connections in the smallest of moments. And, uh, we built a, a, a very simple model for how people could do that better. And, uh, I'm gratified to say it's been, been well received and people are finding it helpful. So, so, so there's always are, more to do, but that's what yeah. we've done so far.
1: Are people using this book to um help train their employees? Are you getting feedback yeah, on that? yeah
0: yeah, they are, but I'm not in the training business so right. uh, uh yeah i yes uh some <laughs> some very large fortune probably twenty five companies are working with with our book. And uh and that's gratifying and we're helping, but they're really largely doing that on their own. Sure. Uh, and uh we're helping as we can. I'm I'm not choosing to be in the consulting and training business. I'm just trying to be helpful in my own small
1: right. way. Right. Well I think not small, I think rather large <laughs> way. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna argue with you on that. You've had some very, very positive uh effect on people. Many, many thousands of people. And and I very much appreciate your time. This has been fabulous to talk to you. And I uh, know our listeners uh, learned quite a bit today. And if you are a Twitterer, I highly suggest that you... um, uh, friend, I guess I forget what you you just sort of friend on Twitter. I forget Facebook. I get them all, please. But tweet, you know, uh, at Doug Conant. Um, you've got some really nice, uh, helpful full tweets, and I, I love following you on Twitter. So definitely follow Doug on on Twitter as well. And and as I mentioned, you can get on his website conantleadership.com and, and navigate that site, which is very well set up, by the way. I love your I love the way the site is set up. So thank you, thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to uh, meeting you in person sometime. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, I, I I feel the same way. Thank you very much, Chrissy. Have a good okay,
1: day. Have a great rest of your day. Okay, bye. Thanks, Doug. Bye.
0: The proceeding has been nature of business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.